Yeah. How many y'all wanna ride tonight? How many y'all down to die tonight? How many y'all wanna ride tonight? Nigga, ride or die. Good afternoon, Meat Suits. Welcome back to Read It and Weep. We are a good podcast about bad books, movies, and television. This is episode number 223. We have now done as many episodes as the number of synodic months in a Saros cycle, <laughs> which is a thing used to predict eclipses back before we had just calendars. Oh. Yeah. Speaking of things that take sort of a dark turn, this week we're talking about <laughs> Die Hard, 1988 film starring Bruce Willis and Snape. This episode is sponsored by audiblepodcast.com slash readandweep. If you go to that address, sign up for a free trial membership, you can get a free audiobook of your choice. Andy support our show, or if you'd rather force us to read a topic or watch a topic of your choice, you can go to read-weep.com and click on the green dollar sign and you can sponsor an episode. Choose your favorite guest, choose your favorite segments, and we will indulge in pretty much anything you want. Read-weep.com, click on the dollar sign now. Check your own videos, you always be number two. Niggas talking real greasy on them r records. Well, I'm platinum a million times, nigga. Check the credits, S. Carter, Ghostwriter. And for the right price, I can even make your shit tighter. Let me introduce your panel. I'm your host, I'm Alex Falcone, on Twitter at Alex underscore Falcone. And we have an awesome panel for you today. Bit of a sausage fest, but very talented. First up, he's at Ezra Fox on Twitter in San Francisco, California. Please welcome Mr. Ezra Fox. Alex. For this podcast, all right, I just want you to take off your shoes, take off your socks, make little fists with your feet. Uh, you'll feel right at home. I, I uh, It will not come back to bite you in the ass in any way. <laughs> <laughs> Promise. Was that just, that whole thing was just to get him barefoot for the movie. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's brilliant though, because I mean, it's I mean, it makes him vulnerable. It's 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 you get like glass, but it also blood. makes him quiet and deadly, like a ninja assassin, <laughs> a vulnerable emo ninja assassin. And it gives him like fungus. Well, he gives everyone else fungus. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Uh, also joining us today, he's at C Walter Smith on Twitter from Brooklyn, New York. It's Chris Smith. Alex, you know this. I love you, and so do a lot of the other guys. So you hang in there. You hear me? <laughs> you hear me? <laughs> I'm glad you all like love me. That's really important. Yeah. yeah. Well, a lot of the other guys. A lot. Yeah, yeah. Some of the guys. The competent half of this police force loves me. <laughs> and also joining us today, we have a very special guest. Uh, he's the po- host of the podcast "Too Beautiful to Live," and also of Live Wire Radio, the public radio show and podcast. Please welcome Luke Burbank. Smoke him if you got him, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to try to find something that Hans Gruber said. I mean, I, I liked I liked the. Alan Rickman line of the, ah, you're one of them, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know what I should have said is the quarterback is toast. Oh, and the oh, quarterback yeah. is toast. Oh, that is, that's, that is one of the, I mean, best lines, I think, in American cinema. And it just so happens to have happened in this fine movie known as Die Hard. So, <laughs> wait, so wait, so Snape, uh, the bad guy, is like, he's doing a Russian accent. But German. German accent. Really? Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Hans, Gruber, Hans Gruber, famous yeah. Russian name. Sure. Uh, <laughs> and they're trying to get bearer bonds, yes. which is, I yeah. assume, some sort of German thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Kaiser well, bonds? So, okay, so here's my question, though. Wait, so he is, is he German? Yes, he is. He is German. So he is doing a stronger accent that he doesn't have to always do. And so he then when he was playing a guy doing a German accent, doing not a German accent. <laughs> That is that's when acting happens. That's when yeah. it's real. A British guy doing a, a German guy doing an American guy. Oh, it's very impressive. Sounds like a name of a porn actually. <laughs> <laughs> very country specific. <laughs> yeah. Very international specific porn. fetish. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, so Luke picked out this movie for us. We're going to have him explain to us why in just a second. But first, Chris, I want you to explain to us the yes. plot of this movie. Uh for those of you who haven't seen Die Hard, which I will admit I was one of until yesterday. Really? Oh, yeah, I never saw it. It came out life. when I was four. Yeah. Don't How s- sheltered were you? That's ridiculous. Your parents should have known that at four you were ready I mean, to find out about how you save a, a tower that's yeah, basically been taken hostage. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we, I, I mean, this is true. I could not watch PG-13 movies until I was 13 and R-rated movies until I was R. So it was a, it took a while. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, anyway, Chris. Tell us what happened here. So I'd like oh, this yeah. time. I'd like you to style in to summarize in the style of two cops chatting on a CB radio. 
I'm not gonna do that. Okay. <laughs> Last time I tried to do, do two voices, it didn't work out. So no. Well. One okay. cop on a CB radio. Okay. Uh, two cops, one radio. No. <laughs> oh, two radios, one cop. That's what. I should Don't do. click radios, on that. You can't, you cannot unring that bell. <laughs> All right. Uh, go ahead, Chris. Okay. Um, so John McClane is a New York City cop with a chip on his shoulder. Okay, he has 11 years on this force. He's got six months of backlog paperwork, and it's Christmas time, and he's away from his family. Uh, so he's not a very happy guy. You might even call him a little bit grumpy. Uh, <laughs> the movie opens with him flying from New York to Los Angeles because that's where his uh, estranged wife and his children are, his two kids. Uh, his wife took a big job with the Nakatomi firm. Uh, and she's very important, and she had to leave New York to do that. She took the kids with her, and uh, that caused tension in their marriage. And now he's going to go try to make things right. Chris, is Christmas the marriage time. not working out? Yeah, the marriage is not super working out. Would you say they are or are not having a good marriage? I'm just wondering because it was really unclear. Oh, um, it <laughs> the was marriage is it good, <laughs> bad? As you can see in the exposition dump at minute five, minute ten, and minute fifteen, not going well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think overall, but it, it turns out if you kill about a dozen German terrorists, um, you know, it, it reignites the old. They weren't Russian either. Uh, also German. Well, you're you're not good with accents, dude. Or speaking really German. <laughs> what about the Chinese guy? Was he German? Yeah. Too? What about that the was black Japanese? Guy? Also, there was a black guy who had computers, and there was <laughs> yeah. a, a Chinese the... guy who ate Snickers bars. <laughs> oh, that guy. He didn't I don't know if we can actually know what his ethnicity was. I'm not. I'm not. I don't feel comfortable saying. One way or the other. I know that yeah. I know that Germany has become a, a pretty open place post World War II, sure. but I don't think it's that open. They don't have an Asian guy eating Snickers and a black guy who does the computer work. <laughs> Those have to be brought in from some other place. Yeah. Plus, the black guy has no discernible German accent. This might be a dream team of terrorists yeah, well, assembled would, yeah, by Hans Gruber. It was more of a world league. It's true, but all, all the blonde guys with uh, you know long hair yeah, and machine guns are talking to Russian, each other in German. Right. They're talking to each other in German, buddy. So they're not. So John the McClane is not good. Going to hit, to meet his wife uh, at her office. They're having the Christmas party, the office Christmas party, and this firm. This is the excess of the '80s, man. This firm has like an indoor waterfall and just this whole big party thing going on uh, at the top of this building that they own, and uh, and then it coincides with a bunch of terrorists taking over the building. And holding the company hostage, basically the employees of the company hostage, and trying to break into the vault to uh, steal about $640 million in bearer bonds from this very complicated safe. Uh, the terrorists are led by uh, Alan Rickman, who played Snape, of course, uh, later on. Mm. And he's got a goatee, and they pretend to be German, and uh, you know they're generally bad dudes. But John McClane is an even bigger badass. He uh, sneaks away from the... the terrorists he finds himself a gun and he starts exacting revenge uh they try to kill him he doesn't die well is it fair to say revenge they haven't actually done anything to him yet well but you've also got to you've also got to bear in mind that from the moment he lands at lax john mcclain is not having this shit he's he's walking through the airport and this girl runs and jumps into her boyfriend's arms and by like baggage claim and he looks and he goes california like like that's only that's the only place in the world really where people are excited to see each other at the airport All right, go ahead, Chris. Uh, Finish. Bring us home. Oh, sorry. Yeah, so he just picks off these uh, terrorists one by one or sometimes in twos mm -hmm. um, and kills them with bullets or throwing them out windows or, you know, bombs. Like or just and, with uh, wit, just with pure, sharp wit. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Now, there are, you know, a few great classic one-liners when he kills people. But otherwise, uh, you know, once the job is done, he escorts all the hostages downstairs and he gets to go home with his lady. <laughs> solves the Merry marriage Christmas, right there everybody. yeah just cleans it right up yeah uh all right chris well perfect so let's do this let's start and end we start and end every show with a compliment this is the compliment sandwich but luke since it's your movie why don't you start us out tell us why this is your favorite movie why this is the first thing that comes to your mind as like the greatest movie of all time what I love about this film, and I was never into action films um, as a kid or even as an adult, because most action films are sort of Steven Seagalian, which is 
Steven Seagal enters the, you know, scene. He beats up 10 guys on an aircraft carrier in like the, you know, galley or something. Mm-hmm. He's un, he and his ponytail are unscathed at the end. And it's not interesting to me uh, personally as the viewer, because it's like, you know, he's going to win. He's sort of got the upper hand the whole time because he's Steven Seagal. What I love about this movie is that John McClane is a hot mess. For most of the film, his wife is annoyed at him. I mean, and she's bordering on ex-wife as the movie starts. I mean, they're, they're, this is a trial separation, right. her being on the West Coast, him being on the East Coast. And he's got the glass in his feet, as Hans famously says, shoot the glass. <laughs> He's, totally he's, sounds Russian to me. I don't know. He's, well, you get another layer when you have my impression of <laughs> Alan Rickman's impression of. But I just loved how fragile he was. And the other thing, too, about this film, when, Alex, when you and I were emailing about this beforehand, I wasn't trying to brag when I said I don't have a lot of guilty pleasure movies. Right. I mean, I grew up in this really like fundamentalist Christian home. And my parents, like, we kind of didn't have a TV a lot of the time. And my parents were very sort of in charge of what I watched. And so I didn't get to see really shitty movies when I was a kid, like on TV and then lock in on them. You know, that's how I think a lot of people get into their guilty pleasure movies. They watched them when they were 12 and it was the summertime and you were bored and it's what was on TBS. You know, yes. So you watch Mrs. Doubtfire a hundred times because, like, and then it becomes sort of pleasurable because you've seen it so many times. I didn't have a lot of those kind of films in my orbit of my young life, but I did. Me and my friend Peter Williams, we did go to Shop and Save and rent <laughs> Die Hard one Friday night. And I mean, it just, it blew my mind. I became obsessed with trying to be John McClane. So, you just hide in unfinished buildings waiting for something to happen. My marriage went to shit immediately, <laughs> just hanging by a thread. Wow. I had complicated relationships with limo drivers. My only friend, an affable African-American cop on the other end of a radio, who's constantly getting bigfooted by the FBI. Yeah. Fuck them, yeah. by the way. Yeah, the feds. Um, no, but I just – this movie hit me when I was young enough that I had really low standards for films <laughs> um, and had enough catchphrases and what I thought of as very daring escapes by John McClane. I mean, the way that the he tapes the gun to his back with the Christmas that, wrapping yeah. tape, yeah. Yes. I mean, that to me was like – O. Henry had nothing on surprise endings <laughs> for me mm-hmm. compared to John McClane taping the, the tape gun to his it. back. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, he the sold the tape the whole time. to buy barrettes for his wife, who sold her hair to buy him a gun. I don't so, know how to read, but but yeah, this movie for me because I was the kind of kid too that because I didn't get to see a lot of movies and stuff, I took movies really serious. So I really had as a working plan in case there was terrorism, like tape a gun to my back. You're ready for that. I mean, really, this is this I felt was preparing me for the real world. So it was a very important movie to me. Well, let me and, use that actually to transition into my compliment for the top because my one of the things I loved about this movie is that it I felt like it taught me what it takes to stop bad guys in a way I never had before. Like as I mean, it, you, clearly one of the big things is as soon as you get a chance, steal a weapon that has at least ten thousand bullets in it. <laughs> yeah, infi- roughly infinity. Yeah, if you yeah, yeah if there's a code although, for you, infinity. You, ammo. Although you can't do that now thanks to Obamacare. <laughs> Right. Thanks, Obamacare. Banned yeah. those infinite, uh, infinite exactly. ammo co- cheat codes on life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, one of the things that really impressed me about Bruce Willis's character, besides the fact that he looks like a child, uh, Bruce Willis <laughs> is so young in this movie, but also uh, really good at propping things open. Mm. An unappreciated yeah, yeah. superpower. He, he props it, it uses an axe to prop up an elevator door, a screwdriver for an elevator door, an exhaust fan with an assault rifle. Uh, yeah. I mean, he is always finding innovative ways to keep things from yeah. closing. Take one thing, stick another thing in it. Good to go. Yeah, really? Yeah. yeah, just and but you got to jam it in good. At one point, yeah. he actually has two different. Like he jams the door of the elevator, the outer door with one thing, and then the the screwdriver for the inner door. And he's just always ready to prop something open, which is a skill that I had not thought about. I mean, I would argue that with his tape thing at the end, he just he he jammed like the gun into himself, and that's how he got. <laughs> that's how he taped. That was his solution. He propped the gun onto his back. Yeah, with, tape. with some tape. Yeah, it's really it was. There's the there's a MacGyvery element to that where he was like ready to work with whatever was around, which I thought was really useful. He uses pornography on the wall as a landmark to help find his way around. Like, 
I love that, like, were this happening in a real office building, within four seconds, he would have gone through a door that locked from the other side. Oh, God. God damn it. And then just, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and he, he doesn't have a key card. Yeah, he just has to wait till someone that, you know, is, that walks by and, like, he has to tailgate with him. He's like, oh, yeah. hey, sorry, I forgot my pass. Do you mind if I. No, no, I work here. It's totally cool. Ignore the blood coming out of my feet. I'm fine. I work here. Yippee Kaye, motherfucker. <laughs> All right. Oh, uh, Chris, why don't you be next? Yeah, I mean, uh, just kind of going off, Alex, what you were saying, um, you know, this this movie is a master class in badassness. Yeah. Um, Bruce Willis, not only is he great at propping things, but just the one-liners are awesome. I mean, yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker, in its raw, original form in the context of this, you know, two-hour movie is just unassailably awesome. Yeah, it And, is good. you know, him writing on that guy's sweatshirt, now I have a machine gun. Just like, <laughs> it, it was, uh, you know, normally... Not great know, stealth, movie is but not good. My milieu, <laughs> but, yeah, it was just so good. Um, and, yeah. and he just does whatever it takes. And, oh, and he does the thing, the thing that I always wish I could do, which is you're hanging from an elevator shaft Oh, no. Lip, and you can pull your entire body up into the air duct. It's impressive enough when you can pull yourself up into the air duct from hanging, but he catches the tip of his fingers after falling a story or two yes, yes. sideways. And that yes. is, I mean, that's not just rock climber strength. That's like mountain goat hand. You, that, <laughs> but you can see the pained look on his face tells you that it wasn't easy for him. Right, right. Yeah. This is a hot mess. Yeah. You know, all yeah. that would take is a little him. bit of wincing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's got like seven or eight concussions from his fight with the tall Russian guy. He is uh... <laughs> seven to eight. <laughs> so why, can, mean, you, can you tell how many concussions I'm holding up? Uh, seven and hey, a half. Also, I feel like we're really also kind of sleeping on the whole fire hose situation, which oh, is God. And maybe somebody was well, somebody else going to oh. bring that up again. I don't want to. I don't want to take away no, someone's no, go um, for it. cogent no, point. This, but I mean, this is part the, his. It's his. I mean, he survives the, the the destruction of the 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 helicopter pad of Nakatomi Plaza by tying the emergency fire hose around himself and sort of bungee jumping off the side. And this, by the way, was pre bungee jumping. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So you could almost argue that an entire uh, adrenaline sport industry was launched. <laughs> I'm not going to fact from check you film. on when uh, bungee jumping started, but. It definitely well, started you. the craze of fire hose jumping, which is still Luke popular. Luke Burbank today. had never heard of bungee jumping when he saw John McClane <laughs> sure. alight from the building uh, with the only the fire hose to, to keep him alive. Um, so that, you know, I, I thought that was just basically one of the most bad A moves of all time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, bad A. Nice. Um, and that fire hoses are not made of anything with elastic. When that when that catches, you're going to catch hard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think <laughs> Physics uh, says he would have been sawn in half, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, Ezra, I think that leaves you. What do you want to... What's, um, what's your compliment? To I'm start think, major compliment. I guess the, the parallel universes that are out there, um, because mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys know this, uh, up for the part before Bruce Willis took it uh, was Schwarzenegger, uh, sure. Stallone, uh, Harrison Ford, Mel Gibson, Richard Gere, and my favorite, Burt Reynolds. Mm. Wow! So, like, there's a universe out there which is a diehard Burt Reynolds universe, yeah. uh, where he said yes. There's also uh, the the internet is pushing really hard for the Idris Elba as diehard. Uh, that's mm. I think the I internet think... is pushing hard for Idris Elba <laughs> to be everything. Yeah, that's what I was. That's what I was <laughs> suggesting. That's not actually a thing. I would take the Idris Elba as everything universe as well, yeah, for sure. I, um, it's a con- it's a controversial. Theory: The Idris Elba has everything. <laughs> universe. It's, it's the it's the Idris it, Elba verse. That's the, it hasn't been peer it. reviewed yet. No. <laughs> but uh, the universe you know, is I, actually just a series of of Idris Elba's very tiny vibrating. Yes, and uh, <laughs> he's so angry, and that is what makes matter appear. Uh, all right, well, so let's do this. Uh, so for our next thing that I want to do, we're going to play Claire Burmack Explains It All, which is our uh, our explainer segment. So, Luke, we're going to put you now in the hot seat, since you clearly know a lot about this movie, and you know the reasons why everything was, was is the way it is. So we're going to ask you a couple more questions about how things worked or why they were the way they were, and you can tell us the actual answer. So I'll start out. Um, why is the dispatch, the emergency dispatch in Los Angeles, so sassy? <laughs> 
so like they were so skeptical, right? Like, yeah. Like, if so, for example, like if if you called a secure air traffic control emergency dispatch mm-hmm. line, and you were screaming hysterical, and there are gunshots in the background, w- you would expect the dispatch to say something like, "Well, that sounds troublesome. Let's work on it." And not get off this line, prank caller, prank caller. Well, you've got to. What you got to remember is that this was a pre nine eleven world. Okay, so I mean, just like the people didn't take things as seriously. They just assumed the default. And by the way, this is how the terrorists ultimately did win. The default (laughs) setting for most people, be they law enforcement, dispatch, TSA such as there even were proper TSA people, was that most stuff was a joke, a prank. And now, thanks wait, to... Wait, wait, are you po- saying that the terrorists have definitively won everything forever now? Oh, yeah, you guys didn't know that? They, oh, I mean, we- if they won by making dispatchers take calls more seriously, I might be on their side now. I didn't know that was... No, the that's how they win. Point. That's how they win, by, by, by Alex being on their side. <laughs> the way they've won is that now my bottle of head and shoulders problem dandruff shampoo is confiscated every time i try to fly to tucson yeah they did win that and it's it's the opposite where before this uh, the the dispatchers would have said no no no, he's probably just a bartender don't worry about him and now they would be like let's blow him up that shampoo might be a bomb exactly so when this film was made the the, the presumption was that Nothing was really actually a threat. So it makes perfect sense. And of course, nowadays, if somebody leaves uh, a snackable in the library in Des Moines, Iowa, they call in a bomb robot because it's probably Al Qaeda. Wait, wait. What do they do with the snackable afterwards? Because I could. That goes into evidence. Okay. How do I get to this evidence? <laughs> the good news is the shelf life is uh, it's forever in many, evidence. many, many years. So it'll be there waiting for you. I I kind of enjoy. I just assumed it was an L.A. thing. So I like your theory. I was assuming it was L.A. It was like in L.A. they just heard everything, so they just don't believe anybody anymore. It's like, <laughs> what's your emergency, idiot? It's L.A. Come on. Yeah, it was like, ah, oh, that sounds like a movie. Yeah, right. Yeah. You're just pitching this to me. <laughs> if I send an ambulance over there, it's going to come back with a script in the back, isn't it? <laughs> uh, guys, what else do you want Luke to explain okay, for Luke. us? Okay, Luke. Um, so there's this weird moment where uh, the bad guys have a shoulder-mounted rocket launcher that they're launching at a at an armored police truck or something like RV. that. RV. RV, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the rocket, they, they don't bother opening the window first. They just shoot the rocket through the window. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. why didn't it blow up right then in their faces when it hit the window? Good question, Luke. Well... Uh, that's a, that is a good question. They may have been operating on the same sort of magical realism that the terrorists from back to the future Um. are working on when they're chasing Marty and doc Brown around in, uh, what is it? The twin pines mall parking lot. Mm -hmm. Cause I believe they are in a, um, they're in a twin pine towers. You guys, yes, Plaza, (laughs) twin pines, Plaza. They're in a V dub, uh, bus, I believe. And they are also shooting a, a machine gun. Not, I'm not sure if they have the window down either. I guess my thought, if I were the, terrorists in um die hard is i would i would shoot through the glass one because there's a precedent in their gang for shooting the glass right. <laughs> and two yeah. because i just feel like you you know at this point you make an you're going to make an omelet you're going to break a few glass windows right. and who has the time to roll the window down i would i, I have to say i would probably <laughs> I would shoot first and roll the window down later. So while that's not really a, a very good explanation, I can say I identify with where the terrorist is coming from. Well, let me this ask is, you this question, Chris. Enough. Chris, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Uh, when you look through a window at a cop car, your eyes don't stop at the window. Why would a missile? <laughs> well, they go all the it, way to the cop car, right? And then they stop at the cop with car. a contact explosive that blows up the rest of the warhead. But you know, it might have it might have glass. glass shattering warheads in front of that warhead. Maybe oh, this, is, this is a building-specific <laughs> missile. Special uh, building yeah, missile. That's right. Never discount German engineering. Right? Yeah, because yeah, so the thing with that missile is if you don't launch it through glass, it'll just explode on, in the air. Yeah. Or it'll, the it'll go through the bad guy and then explode like 10 feet later for yeah, no reason. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The glass, the glass actually sets the charge. That's, that's exactly. It primes it. Uh, Luke, yeah. I have a, a kind of bigger question, I guess. Sure. How do you hang on to your like movie terrorist luck in act two and not make it, you know, not lose it by act three, I guess. Cause I feel like everything kind of is going pretty well. For Everything's act. coming up Gruber for a while. Really? Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just the terrorists could not finish. I feel like in any of these movies. Yeah. 
Yeah, Somebody they get they get cocky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, they definitely. It's it's unfortunate because they eventually take their eye off the ball. Yes, they always um, do. You know what I mean? And and not unlike, and I don't know how much you guys like talk about sport ball, but not unlike the Kansas City Chiefs oh, thinking man. that they were in a dominant position over the Indianapolis Colts yeah, yeah. in a recent football game or maybe a football game that happened months and months ago. <laughs> I don't know Last when this airs. You know what podcasting works. Back um, in the 2000s, there was a football game. Yeah. Um, I just think, you know, they get, they. it's just, Pride before destruction, and they there's you know there's usually a moment where the the terrorist decides, like Hans Gruber does, if I remember right, to more or less disclose the entire plan to the good guy because the good guy seems to be well in hand. Um, fatal error, fatal yeah. error if you're a terrorist. Um, yeah, you just you can never coast. I guess is kind of the thing. If you're if like if you're exactly. not actually trying to win, you're losing. That's exactly right. <laughs> As- you, well, we we keep calling him a terrorist, but really he was not a terrorist at all. No, he's, he's a thief. An excellent thief. thief. An yeah. excellent thief, though. Well, that, he was trying to be an excellent thief. I I think history will decide. But well, I mean, all right, here, okay, he got I think like two thirds away one, right? He like he broke in, he got to the money. He, yeah, just he didn't got through get to seven get layers of safe. We're not giving him credit for any of those safe layers. Yeah, yeah, and oh, also, also, he actually you know got out of the building as well. You know, not with the money, but he did get out of the building. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he so did, he and, most, the, and the money got out of the building. So, like, basically, he won. He was basically there. He was um, yeah. really close. It's just that last five percent <laughs> winning time. Exactly. Right? He didn't get the ball across the goal line. Yeah. So you would say if you were if you were starting a master criminal slash terrorist training camp, you would just work the twenty yard drill all the time. Yeah, right? the red zone. Just work Absolutely. on the red zone. Absolutely, you have to get the ball across the goal line. ABC always be closing. Yeah. Um, and anything else I can think of that involves finishing strong, you know, 110% all the time, leave nothing on the yeah, field, win no one for the Gipper. <laughs> yeah. There is no iron terrorist except the one. <laughs> terrorist. Uh, let me ask you a question, Luke. I think it's a shame that Hans Gruber died at the end, but somehow in the real world, he did manage to continue composing so many great music scores after that for, great, for movies. Uh, how did that work out? How did he continue his musical career after he died? Well, he had actually written that music before the Nakatomi Plaza incident. Oh, okay. He um, just, he it, just banked a lot of movies. Well, 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 what he was his his dream in life was to score major motion pictures, mm-hmm. and he had written. I mean, I don't know if you've seen any of those documentaries about like outsider artists, you know, who like the Watts Towers and people who are just making things kind of or Marwin Call, that great documentary about the guy with the various dolls. He was like that. He was just writing these scores and he kept sending them out, sending them out. Nobody wanted uh, to buy off on them. And so then he fell into a life of crime, not unlike Hitler's failed art career. Right. To bring it back to Germany, if I can. Wait. Um, <laughs> Hitler, the famous Russian criminal. <laughs> I, I, f- I feel like you are still missing the fact that Hans Gruber is supposed to be German. <laughs> Hans sounded Russian enough to me. I don't know. I, no, I think I think what happened was he had just written he had written a, just an incredible volume of stuff. But right. then when he died, they went back through his. He had a studio apartment in Topanga, just outside of Los Angeles. They uh-huh. went back through and they found just. Just stack after so, stack so of, of these me that, songs. Uh, the Amazing Spider-Man Two was scored posthumously. It by, was. By it was. Gruber's what work. was really tough. Is, same thing with like the Lion King, which he got a Grammy for. Was he had yeah. to actually, he had to, he composed all that music before he went into terrorism and died. So when they wrote the Lion King, they did it right around the score, oh, which is much harder. <laughs> yeah, but if you cue up the Lion King soundtrack <laughs> with the video from Wizard of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing happens. They're totally it's unrelated. Way less good than the normal Lion King. Yeah, they're both uh, suffer. It was a tragedy. I mean, that's the great untold story of Die Hard is that it's really a story about a guy whose artistic vision was not realized in his life. Um and that was part of what drove him to madness. It is. And just like just like uh NYPD, you know, is not satisfying enough. He really he dreams of being a secret tower vigilante. And uh, this this movie finally gave him a chance as well. Bruce Willis had that chance. I just want I to call think... him Die Hard. Shouldn't his name just be <laughs> yes. Die Hard? His name was yes. Die Hard. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. Or something hard, hard, right? Yeah. <laughs> and as we move into, I believe we're maybe at like Die Hard 7 at this point. Like there was one oh, recently oh, that came out where he's in like Russia with his son. And there's another incident. As we move into Die Hard 7, I think it's safe to say he has terrible luck. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, this is just no, keeps ha- at some point. It's like shame on you, John McClane. <laughs> like you're in your seventh terroristic incident that you have to thwart. Maybe you're going to the wrong places. Alex thought he was going to Germany, though, so it's OK. <laughs> The following ad was neither required nor approved by read-weep.com slash Amazon. Amazon, buy the complete diehard set today. Just don't watch the fifth one. Meanwhile, one week after the Nakatomi Christmas party. Hey, team. I'm Jim Sipp, your new HR director here at Nakatomi Plaza. You got our new employee manual in front of you. Okay, but, but I just want to highlight a few key changes. Uh, number one, shoes must be worn in the buildings at all times. I didn't think this would have to be a rule, but uh, what's left of the 30th floor smells like feet. So lesson learned. Numero two, in case of emergency, do not call the LAPD. Apparently they are angry and incompetent um, and pretty darn racist, it turns out. Uh, if you see something suspicious or you've been shot or uh, whatever, dial the direct line of Officer Carl Winslow. He's parked down on the street with a pack of Twinkies. Also, there is a street smart limo driver who's going to be on call to back him up if it comes to that. Uh, number three, for security, we've also stashed several of your estranged spouses throughout the building to work as vigilantes. Please, and, and I mean this, please do not distract them by trying to work out any emotional issues uh, that you're dealing with. Yeah. Uh, excuse me for a second, Jim. Uh, this is, I'm Randy from sales. Are we supposed to tip the vigilantes? Uh, great question, Randy. Uh, you may give your randomly placed vigilantes gifts of up to $50 value. Uh, you may tip them cash around the holiday season if you choose to. Anything else? Uh, yeah, yeah. Hi, Jim. Uh, I'm Nicholas from Maintenance. Uh, we've gotten some complaints about the sexy pictures in the elevator shafts, and I'm just wondering if yeah. there's something that's going to be changed about that. Listen, or, uh... I, I completely understand where you're coming from. Appreciate your comments. Do not worry, though. Okay, those actually can stay. They oh, temporarily distract terrorists. They also serve a very important function. They help our vigilantes navigate the shit show, and I mean absolute shit show of unfinished tunnels. Um, and so a big thanks, by the way, to props, I think, to Nick for putting those up. You're welcome, guys. Doing my part. Yeah, I, I have a question, Jim. Are there still over a billion dollars in perfectly untraceable assets sitting in our on-site safe? Yeah, you know, I probably should not tell you this, but it turns out most of our, you know, stealable assets, they were carried out by those fickle Santa Ana winds. There are still, though, some random antiquities in the safe, but those are, I would only describe this as highly traceable. Ah, oh, damn it. Why, why would you ask, Mr. Uh, Mr. Employee, uh, no reason. Oh, okay. Sounds good. Well, listen, guys, that about wraps it up. Any other questions? Oh, uh, Jim, one more. Uh, Nicholas here. Uh, how are we able to afford all this new stuff? What with the, uh, repair costs of the whole top and bottom floors of our building? Uh, I know that's a big operation. Yeah, great question. And for a lot of companies, that would have been financially devastating. Not for us, though. We bought everything on read-weep.com slash Amazon. The prices were great. A portion of the sales went to my very favorite podcast, and they had everything we needed. So they sell ninja swords. Yes. That's crazy. Awesome. Yeah. Hey, great meeting, everybody. Uh, Would Nick and Mr. Employee, would you guys stick around? Anybody else who wants to help us start planning for next year's Christmas party? Also, uh, I think this time we are probably going to go to Outback Steakhouse. I don't know. Bonnie is handling that. Oh, so uh, get Jim, in touch with I, her. I, Jim, I was going to reconcile with uh, Mrs. Employee. So Sorry, sweetie. I changed my name a while back. Now it's Miss Suspicious Character again. Guys, I don't have to say this again. No working out your differences, okay? Go to read-weep.com slash Amazon. We also sell quick-release Rolex watches. Get on your dancing shoes. There's one thing on your mind. Open that look. All right, so we have time for just a couple more quick things before we go. The The next thing I really wanted to do is I want to ask everybody, as you all know, we're not survivors. This is a, another <laughs> dangerous situation. And anytime there's one of those in a movie we like to play, how would I fail to survive in this dangerous situation? So if anybody has a thought, how would you have failed to make it out of Nakatomi Plaza alive? Um, I actually am going to take a strong sense. I think I'm going to survive. If you look at who actually dies here, all right, um, so it is the the boss 
Uh, the schmoozer, who thinks he's like a big shot uh, and gets killed when he tries to negotiate. Right. Uh, two guards who are working on uh, Christmas, four feds, four LAPD, and then like ten terrorists. That's it. No hostages get killed. I am just going to take a nap in the background. I'll be fine. <laughs> as soon as the terrorists come, your plan is nap. Uh, actually, I defensively nap in most party situations, so we're good to go. <laughs> a strong party nap. I like that. I feel like there would have been plenty of opportunities to die, even though it wasn't like shot by them. Like I don't like bare feet in public. I don't. I don't care for but, blood. Uh, yeah. I just, like if I was in his situation, like as soon as I was barefoot and running, and there was glass, I'm like game over, man. Game over. Yeah. Even though tempered glass breaks fairly bluntly, it's yeah, it's still not good. Is that true? And like once you see foot blood on the floor, wait a second, the Chris. floor is lava. Hold on a second, what? Chris. Go back a second. What? How do you know so much about the way different glasses break? I don't know. Maybe this is just a cover up for my German accent. <laughs> oh, you're you're not one of them, are you? Oh, that checks out. Okay, that's good. Yeah, no, I, no, I'm, I'm. Yeah, the clay. floor is lava. I'm I just, clay. I, and also, like, it was probably cold. I know it's, I know it's LA, but it's still concrete is very cold, unfinished concrete yeah. on bare feet. Ugh. Do you think you'd need a sweater, or otherwise you'd you'd die? No, a foot sweater. I mean, like, it wasn't that I'd be mm-hmm. freezing. It's my feet would be cold on the concrete. Yeah, there's a name for foot sweaters. It's called socks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm listening. We the cloth them, thing you cover your foot, foot in sweaters in the Falcone yeah. household. Luke, how are they for napping? Will they assist me? <laughs> yeah. These foot yeah. sweaters. Yeah. yeah. But let's say you are in a John McClane situation. Let's say you're the only guy who gets away from the bad guys and right. is like trying to either take them out or call for help or something. Right. I mean like for And me, you managed to call a... for help and the dispatch was like, bitch, I don't buy it. <laughs> We're gonna send Carl Winslow down here. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, like, he goes through so much. I mean, he gets sh- shot, okay, grazed in the arm, for instance, like, late in the movie, and he doesn't, he barely flinches. Yeah. I mean, I would be down from shock immediately. Oh, he got like, kicked in the head so many times. Oh, God. While that ha- was happening, I was like, Megan, I was like, to my wife, I was like, how many times do you think you could take getting kicked in the head, theoretically? She was like, <laughs> two, three tops? It's like, seven <laughs> times that guy gets kicked in the head and he keeps running. <laughs> Yeah, between I've seven and eight wife. kicks to the head. There's no way your wife could take three kicks to the head. She's much stronger than she seems. Don't let her test that. <laughs> I would never, but that's still, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure of like one kick to the head and I would give up. That's I don't enough know. kicks to the head for you? Yeah. Yeah, and he's a cop. He's a he's a cop. Like, I mean, strong, but also mostly paperwork. Like, hmm. you, you don't you don't get practice taking kicks to the face as a, just a, a beat cop, right? <laughs> That's 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 what beat is. It's the beatings you take to practice. Oh yeah, he's got to walk his new beat down. That's what they call that. <laughs> All right, what else do you guys? What, what's the thing that's going to do you in? I would definitely die, but interestingly enough, it wouldn't have anything to do with the terrorists. I would die of alcohol poisoning because open bar, <laughs> open at bar the Christmas party, n- Nakatomi. And like you're they're at just 30th floor sw- altitude, so that makes they're it- swimming oh, in bearer yeah. bonds, and they've got the Johnny Walker blue to prove it. I would just be. They would find me dead in a bathroom of unrelated causes. <laughs> I, like Ezra's napping, and you're just just blackout drunk. I'm just Janice Joplining, <laughs> aspirating somewhere. Game over. Yeah, they were not. The boss was not looking down on the schmoozy guy's use of cocaine. Or no, yeah, he was. He was seemed. On, yeah, mean. he seemed like not condoning it, but like, oh, this guy's doing cocaine in my office. He, well, well no, I mean, it was it was in uh, it was in McLean's wife's office, which is kind of weird, right? Like, oh, yeah, he went to someone else's. That seems rude. I don't know. Well, much don't, about snort, cocaine. don't snort where you eat. I guess yeah. is kind of the idea. Yeah, <laughs> that's the rule, right? Is that, yeah, that's. I don't know a yeah. lot about coke etiquette. I think, yeah, I think you mostly do it in your own place or like a, a bat, someone with a full floor drain, like a bathroom. Were you raised and then later educated about cocaine in a barn? <laughs> Where they did, did not let you watch Die Hard? I did. I was homeschooled, right? And I did get most of my coke lessons in a barn. That is true. <laughs> I don't know what, I mean, apparently you were learning all of these great lessons from your fundamentalist Christian upbringing where they were like, oh, you can was... coke whatever you want. I was sneaking it, believe me. It was like my dad, I the same guy who rented Die Hard with me, Peter Williams, I once borrowed his sister's CD of the uh, Madonna's Immaculate Collection, and my dad found it and snapped it in half. Oh! Whoa. And I was like, that was not mine, actually. <laughs> I, actually now I have a to, great thing to do, get right? $14 like- and ride to Silver Platters and get a new one. <laughs> um, but no, how good of, I mean, like, if you feel like your parents maybe are a little strict, just borrow your friend's stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> because when they break it, it's not your stuff. 
okay. So let's follow this out for one second. Yeah. Uh, so your parents are still mad at you, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you have plenty of stuff not broken, but it does right. seem like your friend might have a problem. I see. Well, then your friend and your parents would get along because they both be mad at you. Uh-huh. And so then your friend could then come over because it, then your parents agree on a lot of stuff. So my friend and my parents would hang out at my house <laughs> and not talk to me. And be mutual enemies. And then and then <laughs> you could go case your friend's house because they're not there regarding it. So you could go borrow more stuff. <laughs> yeah. That you plan on not returning. Eventually, it's just you and Argyle in a limo <laughs> in the parking drinking, garage. Drinking, That's it. talking to a, a stuffed bear. Everybody, everybody else in your world has rejected you. <laughs> Not sure that's the best plan. Then you take a nap at a party. <laughs> All right, yeah. so the last thing we have to do, one final minor compliment. So we're going to go in reverse order. We're going to give you the last word, Luke, which means, Ezra, you're up first. What's the last nice thing you'll say about Die Hard today? Um, I kind of like another... Another alternate reading of this. None of it's real. It's all sort of this is um, this unreliable is, narrator. This is specifically from the perspective of Al. All right, uh, Carl Winslow, because uh-huh. um, he had this traumatic event where he shot a kid, and this whole thing is just like his brain, his subconscious, working out how he can be okay shooting someone again. Um, like what would someone have to do for it to be yeah. totally justified for him to shoot them? <laughs> exactly. And this was and so, the simplest answer he could come up with. Yeah, he had this dream. This is all like uh, this is all Al's, uh, you know, Christmas Day dream. It's sort of like he was visited by by three spirits, um, <laughs> and they took him on this ride, and he ended up shooting uh, a very tall Fabio uh, German. The ghost of officer involved shooting past, <laughs> present, and future. <laughs> yep, that's how I thought it went down. Come in and shoot me better, friend. <laughs> and he kept the Christmas spirit of shooting better than any man alive. <laughs> wow. Uh, that is a dramatic rereading. I'm going to say not justified by the text, but I enjoy it. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, Chris, what's your minor compliment? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, it, I, I can't believe any, nobody touched on this before, but, um, you know, I know that you all are like me and believe that the higher your hair, the closer you are to Jesus. I, I do Mrs. McLean must truly be a, a holy woman. Her and Jesus her are hair just hand in hand. Is fantastic. Bon- her you hair mean, is fantastic. Do you mean the, the lovely Bonnie Bedelia? Yeah. Is her name Bonnie Bedelia? I it do is. believe it is. Is her sister's name Amelia? Or her daughter? <laughs> <laughs> or her mom i don't care no somebody <laughs> it just has to be <laughs> so i no, like no, no. the idea that she so she goes to parties and just misunderstands everything yes. in the most amazing hilarious way when they say draw the curtains she's just drawing she's a picture curtains. of the curtains <laughs> that's right <laughs> make eight cups of popcorn balls and she uses eight <laughs> cups of raw popcorn and then there's too much popcorn oh i love her and she has huge hair in this movie which is great she does. She's sporting a lot of Aquanet, yeah. and I love it. Yeah, well, it was, it was 88. I remember I had huge hair then, too, when I was four. <laughs> I don't know. I was um, pretty drunk indeed. for most of the 80s. I don't remember all of it. but uh, So this is, sure. okay, so drunk, huge hair in the 80s, uh, living in a barn, getting homeschooled. <laughs> Learning about cocaine from the pigs. That is what you have... I finally told you guys my life story. It doesn't come out very often. That's a great... Well, okay, well, that's your origin story in this universe, but in the uh, Idris Elba universe... <laughs> this whole thing he, is the same, but played by Idris Elba. Yeah, he was the... He, like, made the barn. He was, like, everything. I'm, I'm much angrier in that. I, tur- I flipped over a lot more tables in that universe. <laughs> uh, all right, so my minor compliment is this. I... So I, I, I did make Megan watch this movie with me, which I don't usually do for read it and weep stuff, but... Uh, she's not a huge fan of action movies, but one of the things that's great about watching movies with her is we have uh, this pact that we we constantly remake, which is let's continue not to be in the mob, or let's promise never to be giant ter- terrorist uh, mm. organizers. We like like we get reminded like isn't it great that we're not doing heroin? You know, like we do. Oh, we, like, yeah. We remind ourselves have, that we're doing good, right? Sarah and I have one of these. That's um. No matter what, if someone says they're from the future, um, we have to believe them. 
Because <laughs> it's so annoying when, like, you know, at any point, it's just like, oh, it is annoying when people don't believe him. It takes so yeah. long, right? Or, or also, like, if there's ever or from like the past, right? If we ever think that also, like, you know, that there is like a uh, you know a monster in the closet or whatever, like, we no matter what, just blind faith, we have to believe them. <laughs> Mister and Miss, Mrs. Ezra Gullible. Yeah. I like because, it. You know, nine times out of ten, there's nothing in there, and you open up the closet door, and there's nothing. Right. But that one time out of ten. You know, then a monster fucks you up. Right, mm-hmm. so you better have a gun taped to your back so you're ready for that monster. Just in case. Right. So, here's, so here's what we were doing for this movie. So I was thinking, I was watching this all go, and like Hans Gruber is a pretty great criminal mastermind. He's just so calm yes. under pressure, and he does things really well, and he handles, even like the douchey salesperson he handled with great aplomb. Um, and what I realized, this is a big team, right? There's like 30 terrorists here. You need a lot of organization to keep that going. You know, you need a couple of team leads. You need some good project management software. There's a lot of work that goes into it. And so what this movie taught me was like, maybe crime does pay, but those same management skills you would learn would also pay well in the legitimate business world and no one dies in a hail of gunfire. In the police, in, in, from the police, in the normal business world. So, like, when I see these things and they seem so cool, I should remember that guy's just spending the month on QuickBooks the same way I would be, and he's just got a higher chance of dying. So it's not that much cooler of a life. We only see the cool part of the terrorist, right? We don't see the planning. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of. I mean, it's just it's a lot of Excel. Yeah, it's a lot of planning. No, I could, and scheduling I mean, actually, meetings with thirty different terrorists. Oh, like, that'd be yeah. exhausting. God, no one knows if they're Russian or German. Scheduling meeting with two people. Yeah, yeah. Who are not I mean, terrorists? I, actually, here's the thing. I actually was like, like, you know, because I'm uh, do some production stuff. I was like, oh my god, I cannot. Well, imagine the amount of logistics that went into this. You oh, know, just yeah. this, this kind of coordinated uh, attack. Uh, I I don't even want to think about it. It makes my head spin. So. Oh yeah, like like getting the missiles there at the same oh, time. Oh god, yeah, the missiles sh- are late. Oh yeah, what, what the, we rented a van. We rented a getaway van. Yeah, it was like what? These are only the glass shooting through missiles that you got. What about the non glass shooting through missiles? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Now you got to take them back. You got to go yell and try to get your mm. money back. It's just, Although oh, exchanges, it's just if they bought it through Amazon, redashweep.com slash Amazon are a breeze. So, <laughs> pretty sure they don't sell glass penetrating missiles. Uh, I'm pretty sure, check. but yeah, you know, let's search. <laughs> they do sell ninja swords. Mm-hmm. In case you need that, uh, Luke, tell us your last your last column to it. What's your your last favorite thing about Die Hard that we should all remember? <laughs> Well, I'm married now, as I know you are, Alex, yeah, and I'm not sure if the if the other guys uh, have have gotten married. But I learned so much about how to win your lady back. Yeah, from this movie. So, like, if you're emotionally distant, if you spend too much time at work, if you're really closed off, don't work on yourself. Just hope that you go to a Christmas party for your wife's work, where you have a chance to just channel your rage. Yeah, at a bunch of terrorists, and then you impress her with your ability to defeat them barefooted, uh, though you are, and then that will fix everything. <laughs> um, I also like the idea, like, okay, as opposed to this being like Carl's fever, uh, you know, uh, Carl Winslow's fever dream. This right. is, could also be like, I guess, yeah, uh, um, Bruce Willis is like, I guess, counseling session, where it's like, okay. Okay, what would it take for us to get back together? <laughs> and this is just his wife just explained this whole story. <laughs> oh, well, so apparently, Die Hard was based on a book, which is also made into a movie starring Frank Sinatra. Really? So, yeah, according to Wikipedia. In the book version, um, uh, the wife gets like falls to her death because of the uh, watch, which I think is a lot more ironic. Wait, that happens in the book? Yeah, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So all of this. So Luke. Really, your marital counseling lesson that you learned out of this is really just applicable to the movie. Because in yeah. the book, it goes way the other way. No, I'm fine with her dying. <laughs> as long as he feels good Don't about put it, your Judeo-Christian Western <laughs> ideas about my marriage on me. No, the whole point is she dies at the end. That's I was talking about the book. Uh, honorable death. That's the goal yes, of marriage. That's yeah. all. <laughs> All right, you guys, that is it for our show. Thank you so much for joining us. Next week, we're going to be talking about Model Land by Tyra Banks for real this time, hopefully, uh, probably. Uh, but yeah, we're back. We have a nice little run of three sponsored episodes coming up. They're all going to be great. We're going to reopen sponsorship soon. So if you want to pick an episode for us, go to read-weep.com, click on the dollar sign, 
and you can choose what episode you would like uh, what you'd like us to read or watch so go ahead and do that if you have any feedback for us we're on twitter at read underscore weep or you can uh, go to facebook.com slash read and weep i'm at alex underscore falcone thanks for being here at c walter smith and at ezra fox of course hey, of course uh great talking to you and luke uh, at luke burbank on twitter yes thank you for having me i just realized you guys have a website it's great <laughs> <laughs> it's it's one of the keys to the it's, internet. It's super yeah. helpful. Yeah, TBTL does not really have a website. Yeah, I mean, this isn't interesting, but the reason for that is because we basically were like, we could either do a podcast five days a week, or we could try to be a better blog, and we just went with <laughs> being a, a five-day-a-week podcast. But if we, if we had our druthers, we would be good at both things, but we are, in fact bad at both things which is pretty sad I, don't, I wouldn't say bad i mean you're on like episode 5000 so that's off, off that's impressive in yeah itself. but that's i mean there's a lot of things of which there were 5000 which are terrible like um, name one. tim tim allen movies okay name another one <laughs> um uh, that's it. That's the only one I can name. So <laughs> maybe Allen's stand-up specials. Yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of great things though that are just impressive by volume. I don't know. Breath breaths that Tim Allen has drawn into his body. <laughs> the point is, you've worn down the internet. Uh, yes, that's exactly that's exactly uh, what we've done. So, um, also, but thanks for having me on. I, this has been uh, really fun. It was so fun. I, I really appreciate you doing this. Uh, so check out Too Beautiful to Live, which is on iTunes, so you don't need its own website. Also, Live Wire, the the public radio show out of Portland that Luke hosts and I uh, do yes. some writing for. Most of the memorable sketches this season were written by one Alex Falcone. Aww. And somebody said to me, I mentioned to my friend I was going to be on this podcast, and I said, it's this guy I know, Alex Falcone. He said, why do I know that name? And I said, oh, because the guy with the world's largest penis uh, <laughs> has the last name of Falcone, too. You know this, right? I do not know that. That's not true. Yeah, his name is Jonah Falcone, and no. his penis is like his penis is like 14 inches flaccid. No. That sounds uh, like more of a liability at that point. No, okay, his so life is a disaster. He's a very sad person, but he, but it's a real guy, and his I'm, name's Jonah. You see, the problem is now I have, there's only one way to do this is to Google it. I'm just not sure I want to. No, 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 so, it, yeah, it's yeah. okay. It's safe to Google. Uh, but it looks like it's Falcon. I don't oh, know how he pronounces his name. I think he pronounces it. I think he pronounces it Falcone. It could maybe, be. But, but he's missing the E. Okay, good. Yeah. You're, you're unrelated. Well, you're safe. <laughs> this Falcone guy, they got a picture of him wearing some spandex. Oh. Jeez, he is packing heat. I, I'm I so think, glad I didn't Google this. Here's the great thing, Chris. It's a safe thing to search. You just don't want to click on story number three, the 11 most amazing penises. Oh. <laughs> How do they choose, though? That's what I'm wondering. Yeah. It's such a link bait link, though. <laughs> I, I want to know. I'm already, I, already, really I already clicked on it, but I'll write up a report for you I'm, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to click on it, but I'm going to assume. Tell me if I'm wrong then, wrong then, Luke. It's like it's a slideshow, so you have to click 12 separate times to yeah. see the different penises. Or, or it could be like an upworthy yeah. thing where it's like at you know one minute fifty two seconds this penis will blow your mind at like you know three minutes fifty six seconds it will make you question humanity. Awesome. Well, that is it. Uh, that, I, I didn't say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. That's it. Bye. Oh, <laughs>